genre. Welcome back to the Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we crawl our way to the bitter end or the logger end of the world's end, one minute at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Carelli. And today we're preparing to annihilate Minute 104, which begins with Gary telling the post-apocalyptic publican that they are in need of refreshment and ends with the credits for Pierce Brosnan. Mm-hmm. Just a single credit for Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. <laughs> and featuring Pierce Brosnan. Yes. Um... So, uh, so going back to what we talked about yesterday in yes. terms of like what kind of quest they're on, uh, it, uh, and, and, and the idea that they're charting a new golden mile. Yeah. Um, I think not only are they charting a new golden mile, but this is their first stop. This is the first post. Oh, that you have the honor of drawing first blood. Right. Yes. And, and I think what they're doing is I think they're going through and like, I think it's, I think it's two, twofold. I think they are charting a new golden mile, but it's not about the waters. Mm-hmm. They are slaughtering racists. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. I think they're just like, oh, here, we found one that says no, no blanks. Here we go, boys. Yeah. Here we go, boys. And they're just you, you have the honor of drawing first blood. I think this is the first time that it is. It, like this, this is meant to be literal this yes. time, and, uh, and yeah, and they're just going to be this roving band of warriors that just take out anti uh, blank establishments, establishments, to be like this isn't how we're going to run things. Yeah, which is something that a king would do, right? And he is—he's now literally a king. He says they call me the king, mm-hmm. um, and I love that because then that means that he has to leave one of these guys alive. So that they can tell the legend of the king, like eighty nine Batman, because he's not even going to say he's not even going to say Gary. The he's king. not Gary King. He's the king, and they're going to know who it is. Yeah, they call me the king. He's almost, it almost the reminds, king's coming. The king. It almost reminds me of like a more benevolent version of like the Man in Black and the Dark Tower. True. Yeah. You know, like just this mythic dude that just wanders the earth. Yeah. No yeah. one knows where he comes from. Yeah, the king and his knights. The king and, the, his, the king and his musketeers. Yeah, they can't be killed. They're blanks. Yeah. We taught them how to fight. <laughs> They're just so great at fighting. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, it's, I love that. It's great. And I love there's just enough Gary in that last line delivery mm-hmm. where he, he, he really, Simon Pegg, really effectively rides that line between Ash and Army of Darkness. Totally. Bruce Campbell. Totally. Like, groovy. Yeah. But he's still Gary. Yeah. Because that last, like, ah, like, is just manic enough. Yeah, for sure. Where he's just about to go berserker. Oh, it's great. In the in the script, it's it's such oh, cool. a it's such a good line in the script. It says, uh 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 so he says, uh let's see, um five waters please the publican reaches for a weapon so does every patron in the bar with lightning speed Gary draws his sword and his wingmen fall into combat formation behind him. Who the hell do you think you are? Me? Behind Gary, the eyes of the blank posse switch on and glow brightly, backlighting Gary's final badass line. They call me the king. Gary charges at the camera. Things are about to get messy. Fade out. Oh, man. Yeah. Great. God, that's good. (laughs) That's so good. 124 pages. Yeah. 
yeah, 126. Six. Yeah, 126 pages, and the movie is 105 minutes, or 104 and Pretty a half. Crazy. Yeah, or 103 and a half. Um, so, yeah, uh, that goes to show you the uh, that stupid uh, page a minute thing. It's bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's bullshit, and anyone who tells you it's not is, well, it is, is lying to you. Yeah, there's everything to do with the speed. It's the pacing of the pacing, movie. Pacing, yeah. 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 Um, it, it never actually equals the page count, yeah. like very, very rarely. Like a nine-page script could be an 80-minute movie. Yeah, if you shoot it really boringly, I guess. Well, <laughs> well if, it, if it was like nine pages of like no dialogue. Right. You know, if yeah, it was yeah. almost like a silent film. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you could do it, for sure. Um, and I will. <laughs> I, bet those, I bet those Gus Van Sant movies when he was like – Post psycho experimental phase right, yeah. where he was just doing these like like Elephant and mm-hmm. Jerry. I bet all of those scripts are really short. Yeah. Um, what was the one about Kurt Cobain? Oh yeah. What was that one called? I don't remember. Yeah, the one that was like Kurt Cobain, but not Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. The way that Elephant was about Columbine, but not about Columbine. Yeah. And then yeah. he made Milk, which was about Harvey Milk. Right. But that was like the most. He had been Gus Van Sant yeah, in was, a while. That was kind of like not – it was a, quote, return to form in the way that it was a, a return to his more traditional – like, via, like, oh, okay, you can, yeah. we can market this to regular audiences. Right, right. I don't right. know how we market Elephant. Right. But, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, So – Let's do a Gus Van Sant podcast after this. Uh, No, thank you. Um, <laughs> So <laughs> – God, could you imagine Elephant Minute? Elephant uh, Minute. <laughs> oh, boy. You. You. That, would be, that would be the theme music. <laughs> you. Welcome back to Elephant Minute. We're still doing it. <laughs> Somehow. He hasn't quite made it across the gymnasium yet. All um, right, going to a minute 45 of Elephant Minute. <laughs> oh, man. Yikes. Um, so, yeah, I, lo- I love the idea of them just, like, going across, um, you know, new, new uh, Anglia. A- Anglia. Uh, and uh, uh, fucking up uh, uh, racist yeah. pub I establishments. Love, I love this. It, it's giving me Once in Future. Yeah, but it's also giving me like Walking Dead. Yeah, but in an unabashedly British. Yeah, like going back. You know, it's it, it's it's equal parts Walking Dead and Mad Max. Yeah, you know, um, but with this decidedly Arthurian bent. Right. Man, that's good. That really makes me want to now. I, th- I think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but it really makes me want to pair this with Kid Who Would Be King. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think that would be really cool. Uh, it's 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 uh, very different tones, but like a yeah. cool, a cool weird, yeah. It's weird how they both come at the Arthurian legend in a different way. Yeah, because to them, to two British guys, that's kind of like a, a mixture of like their culture as mm-hmm. well as just like a story. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I love this world that they're in here at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if there's anything about the end of this movie that bothers me, and it doesn't really bother me because I love it. Um, I love every second of it. It's just that I want more of it. And right. the movie shouldn't give me any more of it, um, but I still want it. It manages to do exactly what Hot Fuzz does, uh-huh. where you immediately want a Hot Fuzz too every time you're done watching Hot Fuzz. Yeah, totally. But you also understand why there isn't? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, but man, I uh, I love I love the end of this. And if in... If the world's end became like Edgar Wright's Mad Max, mm-hmm. where he just revisits uh, it every ten years, yeah. that would be amazing. <laughs> Eventually, with like a new, like thirty-year-old Gary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, where it's just like, uh, well, no, I just mean, I just mean like, um, 
like the way Mad Max is, where it's like, oh, you're saying like eventually, eventually he would get yeah, Tom Hardy when he's yeah. in like a seventies, yeah, 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 for sure. But yeah, just like the idea of like making another one of these like every every ten years. Yeah, we're just um, seeing how far the world has progressed. Yeah, because this would be the the road the, the Mad Max. This the would way be Mad Max. It starts with civilization still somewhat intact. Right. Right. Um, and then you would go to. The Road Warrior version, which would be the next one. Where it's just like him and his musketeers going on like a balls to the wall quest. Yeah. And having to like meet with like like villager humans. Like, get those blanks out of here. But then they're like, those blanks are okay. They saved our lives. Yeah. Oh, man. That's cool. Um, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. And then like at Act 2, they bump, they, he bumps into Andy. Yeah. Like, like Andy comes out of like a tent. Oh, yeah. That would be, that would be cool. Andy. Oh, man. Man. Yeah, the ending of this actually with Andy talking about the legend of Gary King is a lot like the end of uh of The Road Warrior. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where where the the boomerang kid you find out was the narrator the mm-hmm. whole time twist ending. That was the coolest man I'd ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because of him I learned how to talk and stop <laughs> acting like an animal. I remembered I was a man. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good of a man Max was. Uh, old Max Rakotansky, I believe his name was. <laughs> Rakotansky. Oh man. I oh God. Yeah. I uh I yeah, I just I love this ending and I think I think, you know, I enjoy this entire movie, but I think the thing that kept making me come back to this movie is because I would be on the edge of my seat every time they got to the epilogue. Because I just loved this bit you so much. You wanted that much. feeling. Yeah. That's kind of what kept me going back to Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah, sure. Was I just loved he- feeling, being around audience members for that elated third act. Oh, yeah. You know, where like the drop and all the Spider-Men teaming up. Totally. Where you like, we're chasing that high. And yeah. I think that's what gets you going to the movies multiple times. Yep. More so, at least for me, more so than like plot. Yeah. Wanting to understand something more. Sure. It's wanting to catch that buzz. That sure. Feeling. I think that's why people go to see like Marvel movies and stuff so much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like I, you know, working in a movie theater, I was uh, going and like I would like step into um, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. like multiple screenings of Captain Marvel, just because I wanted to hear everyone's reaction to the to, to the Stan Lee Marvel Studios. Mm-hmm thing yes yeah. I, I wanted to hear because i knew no no one because they didn't advertise it they didn't pre-advertise yeah. it and so i wanted to hear everyone's like the sold out specifically the sold out sure. crowds and like the opening weekend mm-hmm. their reaction to it um and that was pretty cool and then the same thing i did the same thing with the uh opening of uh, far from home with the uh, uh because uh yeah, yeah. like that <laughs> yeah. that thing i just i i love the people slow realizing yeah. of what's happening yeah i loved i loved experiencing that multiple times um so yeah i was lucky i was lucky to be able to not have to pay a ticket every time to get that dopamine hit <laughs> yeah but my kind of darker version of that is when i was working at a movie theater i was i was sweeping during Christmas time, yeah, that wasn't my normal job, but I'd be sure. sweeping the floors. Sure, and uh, I used to peek into different screenings of Uncut Gems right before the end. Oh, I wanted to hear how people would react. Yeah, it, every, there was always like, huh, but then some people were like, "Fuck this!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why have I been sitting here for two hours? <laughs> what is the point of this? <laughs> God, people hated that movie so much. You forget. I, yeah. I've never seen a more divisive, immediately divisive response to a movie than people walking out of Uncut Gems. Yeah. Either like that was amazing or like 
I hated that. I hated every second of that. Mm-hmm. I had so many walkouts too. Right, yeah. So many walkouts. I remember that. Yeah. Definitely a lot of older couples. Yeah. That maybe just heard like, oh, Adam Sandler, it's a good, Os- uh, Oscar movie. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then they were not prepared for what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you want to experience is playing over in Little Women, but you don't want to go see that. Yep. God, Little Women was so good. They ended up doing, doing pretty good numbers wise, right? Little Women, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I don't know that it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how it did like compared to other versions of Little Women, but oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. God, but, what a great winner it was. It was. It was pretty good. Remember uh, Babu Freak? It's glad that it was the last. Yeah, of, the last. That that was the last winner of the end of an era. Yeah, the end of a end of an era because. Yeah, I don't we, think we're we, going to get an Oscars this year. Yeah, we kind of had a spring movie season, but that was kind of the one that was truncated. Yeah. Where you yeah. kind of got like, oh, yeah, like yeah, the, the basketball Ben Affleck movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure the Oscars are not going to happen next year. I think they're just going to – I know they bumped them to like May, right, yeah. or April yeah. or something like that. crazy. Yeah, but like I think I think they're just not going to do them. Well, because like if the only reason they're doing that is because they think that eventually there's going to be a theatrical release window for some of these Oscar movies. Well, they already took that out too. Okay, you don't, you, for this year only, you don't have to be theatrically released. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. But even then, even then, I don't think we're going to have enough. If I had any confidence that the the members of the Academy that I've been reading about sure had any imagination right where they would honor movies like. Birds of Prey or First Cow or, or Palm Springs or Palm Springs yeah or or Host yeah you know these incredible or like the you know what I mean yeah but like I have a feeling that they they aren't going to see that promise and just be like well there's no Oscar movies we can't right. do it yeah yeah and yeah it's discouraging I, but I agree Oscar, with you the Oscars suck <laughs> they do um, they really do uh, last year was okay though I hope I hope I think it'd be kind of cool if Joker was. If Joaquin that was the last Best Actor winner, oh man, they just like the Academy Awards never happen yeah. again. Wow, that would be crazy. That would actually be that would be bad for cinema because we would lose a whole genre of right movies because they genre, would just of dramas. Yeah, because they would just stop making them. Yeah, like, well, no, we don't have to. They're not going to win a trophy. Yeah, why so who we, cares? Yeah. No one actually wants to so watch wh- these. Wh- why else would they make Roma? Right, it's true. I mean that's what that's what sucks, but we, we need that's them. true. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to have the Oscars or movies like that don't happen because mm-hmm. even if they don't win any awards, it's kind of like the Oprah's Book Club of movies. Yes, where it tells a whole chunk of the country that aren't like on freaking Twitter all the time. Right. Of like, oh, these are supposed to be really good. Right. I don't know what they're about, but I, I'll go see it because it's an Oscar movie. Yeah, it's like a quality gatekeeper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you could be cynical about it, but it also has become like a barometer of quality. Yeah, it has. It has a purpose. Yeah. In 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 society, even if. Um, the uh, the ultimate purpose, which is the awards, mm-hmm. are r- super pointless. Right. Um, the road to those awards, I think, are are important. Yeah, to, you know, it's like how know, a gold medal culture. in the Olympics is, of course, so full of meaning and yeah. a result of hard work. But then also, there is so much glory in the way that the competition is done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so we have reached the end of the world's end. So now. We have, we have we have talked about the world's end one minute at a time. It is it is it is done. We've done the whole thing. Yep, like, soup to nuts. Like Thanos. Like yep. At the end of Infinity War, and he was like, "Yep, soup to nuts. Soup to nuts." <laughs> what if he had said soup to nuts and then <laughs> snapped Snap. his fingers? No. <laughs> soup everywhere turned to nuts. Soup to nuts. <laughs> <laughs> All over the galaxy, everywhere. Bowls of soup turn to bowls of nuts. What are we supposed to do with all these nuts, you monster? <laughs> oh, our soup is nuts. 
It's so stupid. The Mad Titan. Oh, man. Wow, they weren't kidding. <laughs> what did it cost? <laughs> yeah, I did it. I did it, daughter. All the super nuts now. That's why I pushed you off that cliff. <laughs> That's why I killed you. <laughs> I hate soup so much. <laughs> I wanted it to be nuts. <laughs> oh, man. Dry and plentiful. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, well, we did it. Yeah, so we did it. So so now looking back at the at the movie, has doing this made you appreciate the movie more? Has it made you see flaws more? Like what what is your looking back at the movie now that we've covered the whole thing? How do you feel about it? I've definitely I've definitely both. Yeah. Where I think this is the one I I always had a feeling this was the bit the best one. Yeah. In terms of the one I'm just it's so impressive. Yeah. And I was just constantly up to the last minutes of this episode like oh cool like there's yeah. just so full of thought and invention and theme mm-hmm. and it really does feel like the end result of everything up to his filmography at this point mm-hmm. and and yeah and like i never got tired of talking about it yeah that was the thing it was like there was it was just so rich yeah and it's yeah i'm i'm i get why this movie was met with such kind of had nothing the kind of no, apathy apathy yeah I, like, I don't we don't know what to do with this right right you know but yeah, I really hope that you know over the years people kind of come back because it also was like crazy recording this when we did. Yeah, that's true. Through quarantine, yeah. finding all this resonance. Yeah, that the filmmakers didn't intend to, but I think that's great art in general. Sure, is if you go back to something, it, it you can look through it through different prisms and it finds meaning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. One satisfying part about doing this for me because I completely agree with you. I think I think both things happened. I think. Yeah. I think we I this both like cemented my feelings that this was the best one, but also allowed me to see like a few of the weaknesses here and there or like, you know, places where the metaphor doesn't quite work, you know, stuff like that. Um, And 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 so, like, I think it's 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 been an interesting journey. Um, I don't think that this changes the fact that this is my favorite movie. I think it still is. And uh, but I but I do think it's it's been um, I don't know. It's been it's been really interesting doing this uh definitely and, yeah. yeah and if we we choose to look at this as a six-part journey yeah as opposed to a three-part journey yeah i think the thing that i appreciated the most including of, back to the future back to that. the future minute I yes mean. yeah my bad is that i feel like cornetto minute was an opportunity for me to try again mm. where i feel like we were finding out why we were at least for me i was finding out why i was doing back to the future minute while doing it sure and then halfway through, I think I started realizing that this could be a really cool, valid form of like criticism. Sure. I was yeah. looking at it the, yeah. like academically almost. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where we came more from Cornetto. Sure. We had a lot of fun doing Cornetto too. Yeah, yeah. But like really looking at it and like looking at the, the, the machinations of why this film why these films work. Sure, sure. It was really cool. Yeah, but specifically the world's end, I think I think it's it's a fun I don't know, cap to that journey, yeah. I think. Because there's so much to talk about. Yeah, there's so much to talk about, and you know, we felt so strongly about it. And one of the most satisfying things about doing this has been hearing multiple times people saying, "I, I saw this movie once. I didn't really care for it. Uh, I watched it again because you guys talk so positively about it, and uh, found a new appreciation of it that I didn't realize was there." And that was very fulfilling for me because I keep telling people that that's how this movie works. Yeah, yeah. And no one ever wants to believe me. 
Um, they want to just be like, no, that's not how movies work. You watch it once, you get the opinion you're going to have forever, and and then that's it. You don't right. ever watch it again, or it's instantly one of your favorite movies, and you watch it over and over. But The World's End doesn't doesn't work like that. I think it's a grower, not a shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's it's yeah, it's been it's been very fulfilling, and we're we've always we were always kind of like accepting that this is going to be much more niche. Than mm-hmm. the Back of the Future shows, sure, but it was and this this season more niche than the previous yeah. seasons, and I'm glad that that never because we were just having so much fun doing it, yeah, and we were getting so much out of it, every right, week. right, but yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, so just like I don't know, overall thoughts on the world's end, I think it's it's a you know, I I, I really just think it's this, I think it's the crowning achievement in Edgar Wright's filmography. Um, because of the, because of the levels that it works at, um, not just, you know, oh, it's, it's a, you know, it doesn't just work on the fun level, like Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. Um, you know, Shaun of the Dead has like, you know, the layer of, of, um, of a, um, rom-com like with the zombie thing. And it's just like, so you have like the really serious zombie stuff. But then you you also have in Hot Fuzz, you have like the layers of like societal stuff, you know. But I don't think either of those get as deep as this movie yeah, does. Yeah, you can feel right and peg figuring that out more and more confident. Yeah. And like, I think we can say more. I think we can go deeper. Yeah. And we don't have to fall back on the trappings of this being like a parody or a comedy. Right, right. And, and, and I think World's End was the most, the boldest experiment in that. Yes. And it's interesting because it is also super funny. Yeah. And super goofy and stupid. Yeah. But it is also doing, operating on so many, trying to operate on so many different levels. Right. That I find, I think the biggest surprise I had doing it this podcast was I think how like ferociously empathetic it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think all of the stuff we found about like what it has to say about like friendship. Yep. And like dealing, like allowing people, allowing the people we care about to be broken. Yep. And like being there for them and what that means and how to like, treat people with respect yeah that i you know did not hit me at all like six five how many seven years ago when i first saw it yeah and so i think that really that more than anything i think is a sign of a great film is one that you can go back to and keep finding new stuff to find in it yeah yeah absolutely um i just think it's uh i I just i love i love this film i think it's it's just so well constructed and it's it's like a swiss watch and uh yeah you're right it is it is very funny and and the characters are great and i love what you said about this movie having empathy because i think i think that you have to watch this movie differently than a lot of other movies in terms of like gary is not a likable character yeah yeah we ask we 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 movies so often time ask us to judge characters yeah. And I think that's why Gary's such a difficult character in a movie like this. Right, right. Is because like was he a good guy or a bad guy? Right, right. When we were just talking about this, we watched um If I Fall. And we talked about how like If I Fall is a is a uh like a groundhog day type movie, right? Where the lead character gets trapped in a time I think loop. It's before I fall? Oh, before I fall. Okay. Oh, what did I say? I think If I Fall? If I Fall? Okay. So Before I Fall. Um uh, and and uh uh the Zoe Deutsch movie. Um so She's in a, She's stuck in a time loop, and the thing that I commented on with that movie was like, well, the reason that movies like Palm Springs and Groundhog Day 
and a lot of other time loop movies work is because the character at the center of it has to be pretty unlikable. Mm-hmm. Charming, but unlikable. Yeah. But everyone surrounding them needs to be extremely likable right. to get you over the hump of them learning that they're an asshole and, mm. and cleaning their life up. Live, die, repeat, colon, edge of tomorrow. Exactly. So, so then when you look at The World's End, it's hard because um, – or, or, or with Before I Fall. You know, The problem with Before I Fall was that they made her super generic. Yeah, and, she was, she, her, her, her biggest flaw was passivity. Right, right, which was like, well, that's the most boring arc you could give a character, especially yeah. in a time loop movie. <laughs> yeah. um, and like I get the metaphor of it, but it's also just like kind of like blah. Yeah, yeah, it takes, you, it takes you a while in that movie to find an entry point into Zoe, De- in Zoe, Zoe Deutsch's character. Right. Of like, oh, I know, okay, I know why you're the main character in this now. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, cool. Whereas like Phil Connors... Or you're like, oh, you got some shit to work yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, I get it. He's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's like charming yeah, and funny, and you're worry. like watching him. Um, or, yeah, or like Edge of Tomorrow. I think they were trying to make Tom Cruise like a weasel, right? And they were kind of succeeded in making it not making me not see him as just Tom Cruise. Sure, but it's been a while since I saw that movie. Yeah, me too. But it's it. But then here, you know, you have the opposite problem, and it's like, yeah, he's an asshole. But then he's surrounded by people who are just constantly talking about how much of an asshole he is, right? Yeah. Whereas, like in Groundhog Day, no one's talking about how much of an asshole he is. The audience is aware of it, but he's getting away with being an mm-hmm. asshole. Whereas with Gary King, they're just like, why do you have to be such an asshole Don't all the time? Gary, Gary. Yeah, right. So like it, I think it's the, the movie is reinforcing the fact that this is not a good dude. He's not a likable guy. And so it's hard for people to really hook into it because they're not used to having to yeah. deeply empathize with the lead character because usually the movie does it for you. Yes. The movie's like, yes, Ryan Reynolds is an asshole, but his mom died in a car accident when yeah. he was five. Yeah. Or something like that. Right, right. Yeah, we don't know why Gary's the way he is. He's a kitten. We never find out mm-hmm. why Gary's the way he is. Yeah. Which feels so much true to life. Yeah. Of like, I don't know how you got this way, but this is who you are, and I have to learn how to accept that. Yeah, yeah. If I and, want to. And so I just, I love that this is a movie about. A movie that forces you to deeply emphasize with a character uh, because, like, only through empathy could you possibly follow a lead character who is simultaneously the protagonist and the antagonist of the movie. Yeah. And it's something that we as a society could definitely use a lot more of Mm -hmm. is the ability to peer into the life or imagine the life of the other. Being like, boy, I bet that person has a rough go of it. Yeah. I should be kinder to that person. Yeah. Or I should be more patient with this person. Yeah. And to a certain extent, you know, there's a little bit of that with the blank stuff there at the end. Yes. So so maybe maybe that's where the but metaphor yeah, is def- a little bit. Definitely. Yeah. All or at least the theme. All it you know? takes is like a couple minutes of like putting yourself in the shoes of the blank and being like, wow, can you imagine being cut off from your network? Yeah. And having no place in this world, but you're here anyway. Yeah. And everyone's being mean. I bet that sucks. I should be nicer to the blanks. Right. But like how like a fraction of the population are doing that because we're in the dark ages and we don't have air conditioning or food. Right. And so our capacity for empathy is even more dwindled than it was before. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's just it's and that's the thing is like you can't like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz were both extremely fun to talk about, but they did not have they did not reach the depths that this movie does. Yeah. That was Hot Fuzz was when we started to have really interesting conversations about rights. Right and right and Peg's uh, perspective on authority and control. Sure, and that was really interesting. And I remember Shaun of the Dead. We kind of uh, Shaun of the Dead was a lot of like relationship character stuff. Yeah, 
of like, oh yeah, like when you find out that you have to do this for your partner, or like, oh, you're not doing this for your family. Yeah. It's much more internalized. And it's kind of we gotten more and more big, like our scope with the with each season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, I think that uh I think that wraps up this one, yeah? Yeah, I yeah. think so. All right. Well, um, I mean, one last time, you want to mention T Public? Yeah, tpublic.com, com slash merch, where you can get all of our merch, uh, Geek by Night stuff, Cornetto Minute shirts with our uh, logos with the faces, our, our Kevin Ziegler illustrations, yep. or without. Or without, just the logos. Yeah, and you can get coffee mugs, masks, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. And even if you feel like shopping uh, outside of the Dueling Genre ch- uh, channel, store, what have you. Sure. Uh, if you go to DuelingGenre.com slash merch, that portal will still help us out in anything yeah. you get. And you'll also be supporting the independent artist making stuff on Public, which is great. Indeed. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with minute 106. Five. Five. But for now, let's move. Happy again.